Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. We began a mini-series of podcasts several weeks ago called Dealing with the Coronavirus. And we want to continue that series today because the coronavirus pandemic is still upon us. It is April 21st. 2020 we are still on lockdown we are still social distancing we are still in quarantine some of us unable to go back to our jobs some of us unable to be with our families some of us unable to go to school some of us and it's a really weird time and it's a really big challenging time for the church as well but i want to think about how we properly individually and corporately deal with this time in a godly fashion this past sunday we spoke on the life of moses and we looked at two stories side by side Moses and Jesus. And it's interesting how similar those stories are to one another. And we looked at them piece by piece, and we're not going to rehash all of that. But those stories are so similar because there's evil opposing good. There's a birth of a deliverer. There's a calling of that deliverer. There's special power given to that deliverer, whether it's Moses or Jesus. There's God keeping his covenant, even though evil is refusing to let good go. And then there's God sort of flexing his muscles and bringing about his covenant uh, according to his own strength. And it's a really great story. And we talked about on Sunday how the two stories are supposed to separate at the end because the Israelites, unfortunately, got into the wilderness. Even though God got them out of Egypt, he got them through the Red Sea. He dropped bread from heaven. He took care of all of their needs. And in the wilderness, they started to forget God and do really harsh things to God like setting up idols and bowing to those idols and giving those idols the glory that God alone deserved. And the question is, how did they get there? How did they get to that point? Because we're called to be different and act differently than they did. We're called to take the things that God has done for us, to remember his grace, remember his mercy, remember his salvation, and utilize them for glorifying God, for staying faithful to the Lord Jesus, for following Jesus for living a life as ambassadors and representations of Jesus upon the earth. But how do we do that? How do we make our stories different than the Israelites? On Sunday, we looked at this passage, brief passage from 1 Corinthians 10, verses 6 to 7, and I'm just going to read it now. It says, Now these things, all of what we mentioned, took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. And he's referring to the Israelites in the wilderness. He said, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So the question is, is how do we take everything that God has given us and utilize it for remembering? And how does this correlate to the coronavirus? Because the coronavirus now is making us anxious. It's it's causing fears and concerns that weren't there before this. Or maybe they were there. Maybe they're just being highlighted. We're now worried about our health our finances, our jobs, our our families, what normal life is going to look like, you know, is our country going to make it, our society going to make it. There's really big fears creeping up all across our nation and our world because this coronavirus has sort of shattered our confidence and our security. And we've been dealing over the last several weeks is how to deal properly with the coronavirus because this is still a time that we need to trust in the Lord. And honestly, that is the point. The point is to trust in the Lord and remember all that he's done, all that he's brought us through up to this point. And now that it's scary, now that it's unknown, not to forget God, not to act as if God isn't there, as if God doesn't love us. We're supposed to trust and stay devoted to him. 
and we're supposed to act differently than the Israelites did. And what it says in 1 Corinthians 10 is it says, now these things took place as examples, or you could even use the word warning. These things took place as a warning for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And the question is, is how do we know they desired evil? Well, the passage tells us. He said, they became idolaters, some of them, and they people sat down to eat and they drank and they rose up to play. And a lot of that means um, orgies, idolatrous parties, sexual immorality, all kinds of really bad evil things were going on in the corporate setting of the Israelites. And they were all seemingly okay with it, seemingly fine with it. And they had all forgotten what God had brought them through. And now they're treating God with such contempt. They're forgetting God. They're blaspheming his name. They're serving idols. They're bowing down to golden calves. And the question is, how did they get there? How did they go from not remembering to, as this passage says, desiring evil? And it says, do not desire evil as they did. Don't be like them. Let that be used as a warning to not desire evil like they did. And I have a question as I thought about that going, well, how did it go from forgetfulness to desiring evil? Because those things to me seem different. It seems different to neglect something and forget something, which I do a lot. I'm the parent of six children and my wife and I often talk about how we just find ourselves forgetting things because I think our minds are just so full of other things that we just don't have any room. And maybe that's just a way for us to justify things that we're supposed to be doing. I don't know, but forgetfulness and neglect don't seem that bad. They're not great, but they're also not the worst thing in the world. At least they don't seem that way. But desiring evil? Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's a pretty bad resume of a group of people that he said, don't desire evil as they did. And my question is, how did they get from forgetfulness to desiring evil? And it didn't take me long before I figured out the answer. Because this world that we live in, because of the stain of sin, is using a metaphor. It's kind of like a stream. It's kind of like a raging river. Okay, when you're in this raging river, you can go one of two directions. The river is flowing hard against you because of sin, because of the curse of sin, because of our own sinful natures. We're all prone to go backwards. We're all prone to go against God. That's where the stream is going. That's where the raging river is going to take us if we're in that river and we're not fighting to go against it. And I think most of you would agree with that. Not hardly anybody, I would say nobody actually, stands their ground in the Christian life, generally speaking. Generally, you're either progressing or you're regressing. You're going forward or you're going backward because sin is powerful and temptation is powerful. And we have powerful enemies and they're doing everything they can to push against us, to oppose us, just like they were the Israelites. And unless we're doing what's necessary to go against that power and make progress, then I think we're going backwards. I just think that's how the Bible speaks. I think that's how common sense would speak, how logic would speak. And I don't think I have to convince you of that, that if you're not going forward in the Christian race, you're going backwards in the Christian race. Well, let's take the Israelites as the example. The Israelites, for a while, were going forward. If you read the story of Moses, these people didn't want to be in Egypt. They wanted to serve God. They wanted to go to the wilderness and sacrifice to God. They just wanted to have a relationship with God and and be free from sin and oppression. And the Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let you. So the Israelites are, are listening to God. They're, they're heeding his warning. He's saying to them, listen, when it's time, 
and the Passover comes, I want you to sprinkle the blood and the door and the lintels, and I'm going to pass over you. I'm not going to kill the firstborn of your families. And if you don't have the blood on your door, I am going to come in and kill your firstborn. And, and all the Israelites listen and pay attention to that. And they all uh, sprinkle the blood of the lamb upon their door and lintels, and God's wrath passes over them. And he kills all the Egyptian firstborn because they don't have the blood upon their doorposts. So they're listening to them and they're doing well and they, and they get out of Egypt. Okay, they get to the Red Sea. They're trapped. They're, the Red Sea is in front of them. The Egyptian army, Pharaoh changed his mind. He's pursuing them now. He wants them back. And now they're trapped. They got this huge, massive sea in front of them that they cannot cross. They cannot get around. Not in time. And he's got the Egyptian army pursuing them quickly right behind them. And they're pinned down. Well, of course, we know the story. God splits the Red Sea in half. They walk through on dry ground. They're saved. They're protected. As soon as the Egyptians try to cross the Red Sea, it closes, the water closes down on them and they all die and God protects all of his people. And it's a miracle. I mean, it's, it's an astounding story. And they're doing well. They're remembering God. They're being protected by God. They're obeying God. You know, there's a covenant love and it's, it's going well. But most of us know the rest of the story. They get into the wilderness and they start to whine and murmur and complain. They don't have this. They don't have that. God, you didn't bring us food. Or where's their drink? Or, you know, and, and sometimes you're looking at that story going, well, it is food. It is drink. You know, it is basic necessities. Can you really be that hard on people for desiring those things? It's kind of like how the coronavirus right now is we're all wondering, okay, we're losing our jobs. You know, the uh, the economy's not going great. People are suffering and the government's like, oh, we're going to send you money. And it's like, yeah, send us money. We need money. You know, we're hurting. We're going to die. We're not, <laughs> we're not going to have groceries, whatever, whatever we're thinking, whatever anxieties are in our mind right now. And, but it's all about basic necessities. Most of us, most of us, it's just, it's not about acquiring goods or being most, mostly comfortable. It's just about having groceries, paying our bills and, and not collapsing financially. And so you're looking at the Israelites going, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's that big of a thing and that they complained a little bit because they wanted food and they wanted water. But the problem is, is not that they asked for those things. It's that they murmured and they, they actually questioned in their hearts that God brought them out of Egypt to kill them in the wilderness. That's actually what they said. They said that to Moses. Moses, you brought us out of Egypt. You got brought us through the plagues. We got through the Red Sea. And, and you did all of that. God did all of that to now kill us in the wilderness by not giving us food and drink. And that's ridiculous. Why would God do that? God would not go through such painstaking things, such hard things, reveal his might, reveal his care and his covet love to them, to then neglect them with really, really simple, basic things. And they forgot. And the point of this is that they forgot. And I think based on the metaphor that we talked about, about being in the raging river, that if you forget, if you neglect to remember in this life what God has done, it won't be long before you're racing down the hill the other side or the river because that's where the stream is taking you. And in 1 Corinthians 10, it said, they desired evil. But that's not how the story begins. It begins by them doing well and then it's and then it, in the middle part, they're forgetting they're neglecting, they're questioning, they're not remembering what God had done and, and it's causing them to sin. But I don't think they're desiring evil at that moment. But if you fast forward a few chapters and you come to, I think, chapter 32, they're, they make a golden calf with their jewelry while Moses is getting the Ten Commandments up on the mountain. And they're making a gold calf and they're bowing to the gold calf and they're praising the gold calf, saying, thank you, you're such a great God. And they are desiring evil. 
I mean, they're desiring the peak of evil. They're desiring to actually thumb their nose to God by saying, look, we found a better God than you. This God will do more for us than you've ever done. And they're desiring evil. And Paul warns us and he says, yeah, don't be like that ever. Don't get on that path ever. And the question is, is, well, how? How do I get to a point where I'm not desiring evil? And I think it all comes back, if you're following my train, to remembering. Remembering. Or we're going to call it active remembering. Because if the children of Israel had remembered, if they had taken the steps necessary to remember what the Lord had done, and it wouldn't have been that hard. I mean, 10 plagues, uh, getting them out of slavery, getting them, out of, getting them through 10 plagues, getting them through the Red Sea. These are big, monumental miracles, acts of God's wondrous love towards them. If they would have just remembered, they would have done themselves a great service because they would have said when they were hungry and when they were thirsty, God's got this. God's got this. Guys, remember when we were in Egypt and under really bad oppression? God protected us then. He got us through that. Uh, remember when the plagues came to us and not one of them came to us? Yeah, God took care of that. Well, guys, remember when the Red Sea was in front of us and the Egyptian army was behind us and God split the water in two and we walked by on dry ground? Remember that? He's going to take care of us now. He's going to give us food. He's going to give us water. We're not going to starve. We're not going to die. If they would have just remembered, but they didn't. And once they stopped remembering, they started to go backwards because that's where the stream takes you that's where the raging river takes you if you're not making great progress to get to the other side to progress and to move forward in trust obedience and devotion you're going to go backwards and i'm telling you this from knowledge of the bible and from experience that if i don't go forward in the christian life it won't be long before i'm going backwards and probably most of you would agree with me and yes, going forward is not on our own strength. We do it by the grace of God. We do it by the strength of God. We do it by the wisdom that he provides. But it is not void of effort. It is not void of struggle. In fact, I would say it includes great struggle, great effort on our part to go forward. But we're going to simplify this, okay? We're going to simplify this by this one thing. What causes growth and progression in the Christian life I think, I believe, begins with remembering. And what causes regression and falling back in the Christian life is caused and starts with neglect and forgetfulness. Now, there's really grand things when you do remember. You get to maturity and holiness and godliness and righteousness and love. And you finish looking like Jesus Christ. And on the other side, you can get to some really bad sins you can get to idolatry, sexual immorality, blaspheming. You, you can get to where you're actually harming your neighbor, actively harming your neighbor. But I think the entire thing turns on whether we remember or not. Whether we remember or not. And the reason we share this story on Sunday is because the story of Moses and the Israelites and the story of Jesus and the church are so similar to one another. Evil opposes good. God sends a deliverer. The deliverer has mighty miracle miracle power from God and he's able to deliver them he's able to bring them out of their slavery God keeps his covenant God rescues them from harm and God then says to each group of people follow me stay devoted to me trust in me obey me 
And the first group, the Israelites, did not. And God was patient. God was incredibly patient. He kept giving them chance after chance after chance. And they refused. And 1 Corinthians 10 tells us they desired evil. And he says, don't be like them. Let their lessons serve as an example for us to not desire evil as they did. But I don't think it just starts with us going forward, doing well, and tomorrow we desire evil. No, I don't think it's that grand of a slip. I think it's a slippery slope. In other words, I think it's a gradual slipping. I think we're doing well, we're going well, we have good disciplines, and little by little, life gets hard and tiresome and wearisome. And that's where the pandemic comes in. It's, it's scary. All this unknown, you know, all this all this hurtful things and all of these things that are against us. And, and we're going, oh man, it's just so hard. God, you could make this easier. And little by little, we start focusing upon the things that we don't have. We start focusing upon the hard things and we start forgetting all that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And it's not that difficult because it happens even to pastors. Suddenly, I will start slipping down the other side because I start to forget all that the Lord has done for me. And I start to question all of the unknowns going, man, yeah, what if the disease comes to me? What if it comes to my family? What if I can't pay my bills? What if I don't have any groceries? What if I can't get toilet paper? You know, what if what if it comes to my dad? Like, what if all these things happen? And it's not because I'm on the threat or on the doorstep of those things happening. It's because I'm just answering the unknown going, what if, what if, what if? And it doesn't take long from forgetfulness to evil if I go down that road long enough. And so we can all say, well, I could, I just don't forget. If that's the strategy, then just don't forget. But that's the thing about forgetfulness is no one plans to forget. No one expects to forget. Forgetfulness sneaks up on you. You know, I make a meeting, I set a time, I tell someone I'm going to be there, and I, I have every intention to do it. And then life happens, and whoops, I forgot. Sorry, you'll have to understand, I, I just forgot, it slipped my mind. And I, I hear that from a lot of people, church people, young adults, you know, family members. I just forgot. And it, it seems so benign. It's like, oh, no big deal, you just forgot. But the problem is, is you didn't actively remember. You didn't set the things in your life to make yourself remember. And we know that we need to do this on certain occasions because we have things called alarm clocks, okay? And we know what it's like to be unconscious, at least asleep, where we're going to need a little help to wake up on time, okay? That's why alarm clocks were invented, because if I don't have someone waking me up, something waking me up, I'm not going to wake up on time. I'm going to sleep through. I'm going to get to work late. I might get written up. I might lose my job. So I need an alarm clock. I need something to help me remember to wake up. And so we have alarm clocks. We set them on our phones. They wake us up. I have six natural alarm clocks called my children. They're really, really good. I really recommend them if you're looking for one of an alarm clock, that is. But we have alarm clocks. And they, they help us actively remember when to wake up. And that's the point. That is the point of this, is to actively remember. I could just say remember and you would all get it. But I don't think remembering is enough. Because remembering doesn't sound intentional enough. It's just like, oh yeah, I'll try. I'll do my best. I will do my best to remember. If life is ideal and I have a clear mind and I have my full bearings, I, I, I think I'll remember. I think I will. I'll remember. I'll, I'll get to the meeting. I'll make it happen. But is life ideal? No. Life is hard. And there's unknowns. And there's worries. And there's scary. And there's pain. And there's suffering. And there's tiresome. You know, or fatigue. And 
All kinds of things are against us. And life isn't ideal, so when it's not ideal, we forget. And then forgetfulness, if we follow that enough, just like the Israelites, is going to lead to desiring evil. Because once you stop looking to God, once you stop remembering what he's done and who he is, you start to question everything about him. Does he love me? Is his word true? Does he keep his promises? Does he even exist? Do I even know him? Does he even know me? Did he even create me? Am I on my own? Is this up to me? All of those questions are now entertained once we stop remembering all he's done and all he's brought us through. And that is devastating. That's devastating for us, but most of all, it's devastating for our God. Because our God does not deserve that. And we're in a period right now where it's very easy to just chalk things up to, oops, I forgot, or oops, I meant to, or oops, God, you could have made it a little easier for me to do those things, but because of coronavirus, you'll understand that I didn't. And that, sure, that's what the Israelites would have used. They would have used all of those excuses. But once they got to the place called desiring evil, none of those excuses would work. Because now they actually want things that God hates. But it didn't start there. It started with forgetfulness. It started with not actively remembering and suddenly they look like the most ungodly creatures that ever existed. They are actually giving their worship to a golden calf. I can't think of a grosser sin in scripture than bowing down to a golden calf, worshiping that golden calf and saying, thank you, golden calf. You're the one that got us out of Egypt. You're the one that got us through the Red Sea. You're the God that has kept your covenant with us. Is there anything more evil than that? No. And it led to orgies. It led to all kinds of sexual immorality. I mean, everything was up to, should we do it? Can we do it? Let's do it. Let's have fun. Everything was evil. Everything evil was fun. Everything evil was, was part of their lives. And it's because it started with forgetfulness. And my exhortation to everyone today, myself included, is to actively remember. And I've said this before to my church people, but I don't know if you're big on making lists, but maybe we should be anyways. Maybe we should make lists. Maybe we should write things down. Maybe we should do like Joshua did with the children of Israel and said, let's make a statue of rocks. And when we see these rocks and our children go, what does this you know, statue of rocks mean? We'll go, oh, these rocks represent what God has done for us. Let me tell you that story. And by doing so, we'll actively remember. I don't know what it needs to look like in your life, but I know every single one of us, 100% of us, needs to actively remember what God has done because the children of Israel forgot. They forgot the Red Sea. And as heinous as that is, as heinous as it is for them for getting the Red Sea and the plagues and getting them out of slavery, it is way more heinous for us to forget the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And in fact, that's why Jesus told us have communion, have the Lord's Supper, actively remember, don't forget, because if you forget, it won't be long before you desire evil. And when you desire evil, now you're in such a bad place, you may not ever come out of it. Forgetfulness, you might come out of that. I'm hoping that if you're in that camp today, you will come out of that. 
But for us to not get to the place where the Israelites actually got to, we need to actively remember. We need to talk about it. We need to think about it. We need to pray about it. We need to write down, what has God done for me? What did he bring me through? What do I have today that I otherwise wouldn't have? Where am I going based on Christ's grace and salvation? What has God done for me? Write them down. Or the old song told us, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. And I think that is a valuable valuable exercise for us to do. Because by remembering, remembering will lead to trust. It will lead to devotion. It will lead to love, loving the Lord. And forgetfulness will lead to everything evil. And I think it's that simple. I would encourage you and exhort you today to actively remember. Don't lose sight of the Lord. Don't lose sight of what he has done. Go forward. Write it down. Talk about it. Tell your family members about it. Pray about it today, even today, to say, Lord, I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to get to the place where I'm desiring evil, and therefore I'm going to remember, and I'm going to recall your blessings, and therefore I want to trust and obey you, even when it's difficult, like the coronavirus pandemic is difficult. And I pray that would be a blessing to you today to actively remember what the Lord has done for you because it is vast. It is many things. It is costly what God gave us through his son, Jesus. And he did it all because he loves us and he wants us to love and follow him in a covenant love for the rest of eternity. That's the point. I pray you'd be blessed. I pray you would actively remember all for the sake of Jesus Christ. Blessings. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.